Welcome to Home But Not Alone with Tim and Sarah, where we talk about real life as a stay-at-home Catholic parent. If it's noon and you're still in your pajamas, have reheated your coffee three times, and tried to pray but got distracted, this is the place for you. Life is crazy, but through it all, remember, you're never alone. You've got God's grace and our friendship coming your way. All right, welcome back to Home But Not Alone. (laughs) All right, Tim is drinking every drink on his desk. He has like three drinks in front of him, all with ice clanging around. And we are going to talk about (laughs) screen time today. Uh, Hey, Tim. Hey, Sarah. Okay, you had a story to tell me. What was that? Something about your kids. What was the story you want to tell me? We... My kids wanted to learn how to make taking <laughs> another drink. <laughs> this is really good, like audio sound effects here, Tim, on a podcast. Okay. <laughs> My kids wanted to learn how to make homemade bread the other day. They wanted to do it by themselves, Ooh. and I said yes. <laughs> They each, of course, wanted to make their own loaf of bread. All of my three big kids, the toddler just kind of ran around the kitchen. And again, I said, yes. So the other day, I don't know like how much you know about making bread, but we did like a legit homemade bread, double rise, like do the yeast, shape it, everything. It took the entire afternoon. They did great. Like that's what we had for dinner. We had so much bread and we had like spaghetti to go with it. Um, but it, it was just funny because the other, you know, it took us all day to make this bread and it was really neat because like I was teaching them how, but I let them do it and they learned this new skill. And then today my kids are all watching a movie while we record a podcast. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, they learned something. They, yeah. <laughs> Jess, my wife, Jess likes to make bread on a regular basis, homemade bread. And that's always, I'm not good at it. So I'm glad she does it. But did, did they make a, like an enormous mess or just a mediocre mess? Uh, well, it was actually kind of neat. They did much better at it than I thought they were going to. So like, as they were doing whatever step, I was running around cleaning up behind them. Like they were able to do enough of it themselves that I could clean while they were cooking. Oh, um, okay. Surprising. Well, my kids are nine. The ones who were baking were nine, they're nine, seven and five. So they're big enough to like yeah. at least figure out what they're doing. But it was just funny because the, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, screen free day and they're learning how to bake homemade bread and today it's like hey movie time um so which leads us into the topic for today yes you you could have just shipped them off to an apprenticeship i mean is that a legal issue are they too young i don't know how old you have to be to work anyway i was thinking about that the other day about apprenticeships but anyway screen time how are your kids getting too much how much is too much and i actually struggle with this question and so i'm glad that we're talking to you today tim because anytime i have these doubts like oh my goodness are my kids getting too much screen time you're always the one who tells me to calm down um so yeah so Tim's going to help us talk about screen time, screen time limits, and how much is too much, I guess. Yes. And I have a lot of notes because I did I did legit like real research to to back up some of my thoughts and also to disprove some of my thoughts. Um, that's what good research <laughs> well, which is does. Good because there are a lot of opinions about screen time. Yes. Um, so I'm glad that we're not just going to be throwing out again a, a whole another set of personal opinions, but that will have some research to build on. Yes. So so what I've noticed is that there seems to be this almost like unspoken competition up among people in their their 20s and 30s who have kids 
where it's like, okay, who can have the least amount of screen time for their kids? Like the parent with, with zero screen time wins, the parent with just a little bit more, like, oh, you're you're doing amazing. And then the more screen time Second your kids have in general. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of kind of a, an attitude that I think a lot of us have either felt imposed upon us or we have imposed it upon ourselves or we have imposed it on others, whatever it may be. And I think, one, we misunderstand screen time. Two, as parents, we have so much guilt thrust upon us, mostly from up here already, that this isn't necessarily an area that we need to feel guilty about. Um, And so I started thinking about that uh, in part just because of uh, Jess and I discussing how much screen time our kids should have, what they should be watching, different things like that. And so I think... um, the reaction to being like no screens or let's compete to ha- have the le- least amount of screen time possible. I think it comes from two different areas. The first one I think is generational differences. So we've got different generations. I'm going to be looking a little at my notes. I apologize, but that's okay. We have, we have gen X, which is, I keep finding very slight variations on these years, which bugs me, but gen X is typically your 1965 to 1980 birth. Now, that generation is often referred to as the latchkey generation because if you think about kids who were born between 65 and 80, a lot of their parents were getting married starting to have kids in the 60s and 70s. That was when two parent working, two working parents became much more common. It was also when divorce rates started going up. So a lot of kids who were born in that window started coming home to no parents after school. So they were in many ways raised by TV, after school specials and that sort of thing. So we had Gen X. Then we have Generation Y or the millennials. Nobody ever calls us Gen Y, but that's- that's I was like, who's Gen Y? Oh, that's us. That's us. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I, again, I'm making these names up, not those names, but I'm making these little labels up. I see that as as us, the millennial, being the commercial generation, because we grew up on a lot of commercials. And I know there were commercials before that and everything, but I feel like with the expanse, expanse, the expansion into cable being a common thing, commercials were just a constant in our lives. And it's funny, I got to college and I had this teacher who'd gone to Hollywood, she'd done a little writing, a little acting, came back to St. Louis to do uh, theater. She preferred to write uh, stage work. So that's a big thing in St. Louis and Chicago. People think like acting and stuff. Yeah. L.A., New York, theater, Chicago and St. Louis are two of the big ones if you want to get started in that. So um, she came back to St. Louis to do theater. And one of the things she pointed out to me that I'd never thought of is she said, I feel one group I feel worse for than almost any group are little boys because the advertising to little boys is the most deceptive. And she said, and you think about it like superhero stuff. You see these portrayals of these toys and they can do these things. No, they can't. Now, a Barbie may be incorrect in her proportions, which they're starting to correct. I was just talking but, to my kids about that today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of like, I, I've had to start talking about this more and more. There are all of these superheroes on screens now who these are regular people who do six month insanely unhealthy diets. To, so, But that really took off in the 90s and early 2000s. So our generation commercials, commercials, commercials. It was constant. And it was kind of the last time that happened because commercials 
are becoming less of a thing yeah. um, in terms of TV. Then we have Gen Z, which is like 1996 birth to 2009, 2010. And I think of them as the internet generation because they kind of grew up, the internet was a real thing. I remember getting the internet for the first time and you plug in the little little phone jack into the plastic thing and it, <laughs> and it I played a dial-up sound for my kids once and they were like, what is that? And I'm like, from now on, I'm gonna make them listen to that every time I turn on a TV show for them on streaming. I think so, anyway. Um, and then Gen Alpha is like 2010 to 2025 being born. And I call that the screen generation, because now we are in an era where there is a screen everywhere. We can't avoid it. It's just what it is. So I think part of the reason we have an anti-screen attitude is resistance to some of the bad things that have happened, like the latchkey generation um, or the excessive materialism from commercials. Um, So I think we have a resistance to that. I think the second reason is um, we are reacting to the, uh, the increased use and dependence on screens and how we've learned that that is bad in excess And we've begun to treat it as if it's bad across the board, as if any exposure to screen is automatically harmful. Now, a couple of thoughts on that from my research. Um, Researchers have or some researchers have started to conclude that the way we study screen time is actually wrong. We are not doing it because we'll do they'll do survey calls and they'll ask somebody, how much time do you spend on a screen? Which, first of all, we're bad at reporting on ourselves. Second of all, we uh, uh, second of all, we don't necessarily ask people or interviewers don't necessarily ask people what are they doing on the screen and Mm -hmm. what are they doing while they're on the screen? So. You know, you think about a, a preteen or a teenager, they might be texting a friend or they might be on social media or they might be using notes, you know, watching a video that has notes for school or reading something, typing a paper. They might be watching something educational. They might be watching something that is not at all educational. So it's not just what are you, you know, are you on a screen, but what are you doing on that screen is a big thing. And I had this uh We'll, we'll post this uh, the link to this article in um, in the show notes. But I have an article from the New York Times magazine, and it says, uh, is screen time really bad for kids? It's the title of the article. Here's a line from it. In past decades, if researchers asked how much time a person spent with a device, TV, say, they knew basically what happened during that window. But screen time today can range from texting to social media to passively watching videos to memorizing notes for class. Mm-hmm. All very different experiences with potentially different effects. Mm-hmm. Same article Same article said a screen-related activity may be beneficial or harmful depending on who is doing it, how much they're doing it, when they're doing it, and what they're not doing instead. And then there's a quote from the director of Institute of Human Development at the University of California, Berkeley, which says, if we just respond to emotions or fears about screen time, then we actually could be interfering with our ability to understand some of the deeper questions, Mm. questions regarding use of screen time, benefits and um, problems and harmful. Okay. 
Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. let me just jump in with what, here's what I think I'm hearing so, from you. So yeah. we ask ourselves when we have this guilt, like, Oh, we just come from a place of automatically assuming that our kids are having too much screen time, this fear of the screen time. And we're not stopping to look at our, you know, our history are with screens, um, the difference in the generations in the use of screens. And then to actually look at the screen, the different purposes of the screen time use uh, in an objective way. So you're mm -hmm. saying that, that a lot of this comes from like our fear and really just jumping to the the end thing here. Like, is it too much time without taking it? It's a more complex issue than that. Exactly. It's it's not quite as simple. Okay. And there's a there's a line from uh, from a journal article we'll also share. Um, and this is the Lancet Medical Journal. And it says the general public and healthcare professionals typically perceive extended screen time as negative with frequent media reports on the adverse effects on sleep, diet, social interaction and family life. However, the evidence underlying this perception is limited and often clouded by confounding factors, including socioeconomic grouping and negative associated behaviors, i.e. snacking or regular exercise. So essentially, oh. something that I never considered until I started doing my research is, yeah, more screen time is often associated with, say, higher rates of diabetes. But that's oh, not yeah. because of the screen time. It's because you're eating junk food while you're while you're snack while you're watching right. something. Right. Or there are higher rates of other health issues. But again, when you're in a single parent home as opposed to a, a two parent home, maybe one parent's at home all the time, one parent's working, both parents are working, whatever it may be, you're more likely to be watching more TV snacking on more junk food, not getting the adequate time outside, things like that, and as a result, develop more health problems. But people in lower socioeconomic situations, which you fall into if you're, you're more likely to fall into a lower socioeconomic level if you're in a single parent home. That's just right. statistics. You're also more likely to have other health issues. So the screen time might not be the direct cause it might just be either a result or it might be a contributing factor. So there are these different things we need to start to see. It's not as, you know, it's like they've, they've said, some of the research indicated, well, higher rates of screen time, higher rates of depression. But does the screen time cause the depression? Does the, the depression lead to adolescence then saying, well, now I'm going to watch more screen time because I'm depressed and I want to mm. escape. And because escape. When, I was a, yeah. when I was a teenager, that was me. I was I was really depressed. I was really struggling, and I turned to escapism. It wasn't the other way around. So, right, um, right. anyway, these are things worth considering. So yeah, well, so let me just I want to bring this to a practical level here. Maybe just yes. apply all because we're talking about a lot of research. Um, so let me just throw out there uh, like our typical the way that we use screen time in our house. Um, so my kids do not have like their own iPads or, or cell phones or their own handheld devices. Um, because I just, I don't want them sitting there with their device in their hand, you know? Um, so they don't have any of that stuff. Uh, my son does have one online class that meets like a couple times a month, but for the most part during the day, you know, they're playing with like Legos, toys in their hands. They're running around outside we're doing our daily stuff. Um, but then at the end of the day, um, I put on a movie for the kids and, mm. you know, daddy comes home from work and he sits down and relaxes with the kids. They watch a movie together, not like, you know, when we were kids and you just turn on cartoons and you get to cartoons for hours and hours. So they get a particular movie and mm. then I go 
hop in the bath and relax, which like, it's good because, you know, daddy gets home from work and he's tired. So he can't be like, come on kids, let's play a game. Like, let's go do this. Let's go. He's been working his butt off at work all day. So he gets to relax. The kids get special time with their dad. And I get to like, get a few moments away from the kids to relax myself after taking care of them all day. But I think the problem comes in is I start to feel guilty about this. When I compare myself to others, who, like you said, have less screen time. So I say, Mm -hmm. okay, well, since I have this allotted amount of screen time for my children every day, parents who have less screen time, who don't have this, must be better parents. And like, this is ridiculous because if I think of my own childhood, what we do right now with our kids is pretty much exactly what we did as kids, um, you know, my dad would come home from the uh, whole day, a long day of work, and he'd be tired. And we would look forward to everybody just kind of hanging out together as a family and watching a movie with dad. And my mom would get some time to relax. So and like, I have fond memories of that. And I don't feel like my face was in a screen all the time. So I don't know why I feel guilty about this, but I think, like you said, it probably just does fall into primarily it's that comparison trap. And I don't think that it's rooted in something like scientific or fact based. Yeah, well, and I also think some children just learn better from a visual medium. Um, My children don't know how to read on their own yet. They're not old enough to read. They are old enough for me to read to them. I read to them every single day. Earlier today, my mom was over visiting. She was reading to them. Unless my wife is working a 12 plus hour shift, she reads to them. So they get read to constantly. They get mad when they're not being read to sometimes. Like they really love being read to. They will learn how to read and then hopefully they will enjoy reading on their own. I like reading to them. I really, really do. But because I can't do that constantly, it's nice to have another medium. So we we have the, the formed.org subscription, which is through the Augustine Institute, I think. And they've got all these Catholic things on there. It's all Catholic videos. And they have these little animated things and whatever it is. And because of a video about St. Perpetua that my three-year-old loves, she was out in the backyard the other day screaming, I'm a Christian. Jesus is everything. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Neighbors, pay attention because listen to what the three-year-old is saying. You know, like, that's yes, I, I teach her about that stuff. But she, she when she sees St. Perpetua saying that, it means more to her sometimes, I think. So one, I think that there's that's supplemental to her education. But also, I know I learned so much better from different mediums, different use, utilizing the different mediums. I love documentaries. I absolutely love documentaries because a good documentary, and there are a lot of bad documentaries out there, but a good documentary will, uh, will give you the right visuals and give you the right audio. And, you know, I remember being younger thinking, oh, these Ken Burns documentaries are pretty cool. And it's like, because they're real historical photographs with narration about what's happening, people reading the letters. I'm like, I do better. I retain better when I see something in that environment. So uh, I think that's something we have to consider is also utilizing screens as a means of education, supplemental, whatever, whatever else it may be. Um, I mean, my, my kids know more about the mass. I teach them about the mass 
every time we're at mass. I'm always pointing things out and whispering to them and everything like that. But they learn from videos about the mass. Then they learn from books about the mass. And then the little, you know, when after you just turn one, my little son's walking in and points to the sign and says, mercy. And I said, yes, that is the divine mercy image. And some ladies like, how does he know that? I'm like, because I taught him and I showed him a video and I read him a book. Like, but I just said, oh, yeah, you know, he knows. Like, what do you think? So and then. Actually, last week he yelled that during mass because we were nowhere near the divine mercy image, but he wanted to. I'm holding him and he just, (laughs) mercy! And I'm like, yep, that's divine mercy image, buddy. We're going to pay attention to this direction, though, right? Anyway, um, obviously, I'm not advocating for something like, it sounds like I'm advocating for like, screens are the best. No. No. I understand that there's the blue light issue when it comes to like before bedtime and it can impact sleep. No one is more pro-child sleeping than I am. Believe me, <laughs> I love when children sleep. They, they should do it more. It's great. Um, and I would never want to disrupt that or suggest anybody do that. Uh, so there's that factor. Also, if you spend too much time in front of a screen, it does mean that you're not running around. It does mean that you're not developing with the toys and the, you know, the different mechanical skills or whatever it may be. It does mean you're not spending time with books. So there is a reasonable amount. Now, what that number is, I think it, I mean, it varies from child to child and family to family. Um, That's, that is one thing I have really taken away. And I'm trying to find, there's a you know, there, blah, 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 blah. There, anyway, there's a, there was a quote I had somewhere and it was basically some version of, Hey, you know, everybody is different in terms of their screen needs. We can't keep just doing this blanket. Here's the amount of screen time that we need. Uh, Oh, you know what? It was from the Royal College of Pediatric and Children's Health, the British equivalent to the American Academy of Pediatrics. It was from their guidelines. And, um, and now I have lost where the quote is. But essentially, <laughs> well, I think that's a really good point because yeah. um, we have to stop this comparing ourselves with everyone else. I think this is like a huge trap that um, we fall into as parents constantly, especially in the digital age where everyone's able to put out there all the time what they're doing and and showing you, you know, this curated version of their lives. And we fall into the trap of comparison. But I think instead of doing that, I think the bottom line is that what we need to do is use prudence and use our best judgment and use our discernment and just not be too hard on ourselves. Like, you know, like I said, the other day, I spent the entire afternoon with my kids baking bread. And today they're spending an afternoon getting an extra, like a special movie. They haven't seen it before. It's some uh, Chronicles of Narnia movie they're super excited for. And I get to get some work done. Um, So there is a balance. And I think that, we as parents need to you, give each other. Okay, and give, I have to. I have go to. Go ahead. Interrupt. You're showing <laughs> them a, a movie based on C.S. Lewis's writings. You shouldn't feel one ounce guilty about that. Okay, if they make a movie version of Mere Christianity and your kids are old enough, you show them that. Okay, I mean that's um, it's uh, yeah it's it's a visual medium, but it's. It's the writings of C.S. Lewis. Like, right, I, right. Th- there's a difference between that and a lot of the garbage I used to watch oh, after school right. and be- and before school in the 90s. I mean, that's gosh. Like Captain it. Planet. Do you remember uh, that? Oh, I, that <laughs> makes it Captain Planet. There's so many things that were that, that show. The <laughs> sorry for bringing uh, that up, but yeah. So it's not just about quantity. It's also about 
um, you know, the quality of what they're watching, being intentional and really just giving each other um, some grace, like giving each other permission to make your own um, prudent judgments for your kids and allowing yourself the grace to make your own prudent judgment for your own kids. And just, you know, coming to that from a logical place instead of a place of fear and not feeling guilty about it. So I think you had some questions, um, like suggested questions to ask ourselves as we're thinking about this uh, screen time question, you know, about the quantity and quality of screen time that our kids are getting. Did you want to close with those? Yeah. Don't, do you have, do you have a few too? Or oh, okay. Do yeah. Do yours first. Uh, yeah, look, I have some too. Um, so I guess, so here's some questions that I would ask myself. Um, so first of all, like how much screen time do my kids get on a normal day? Um, how much screen time do my kids get on a bad day? Give yourself a little grace about that. Uh, questions like, does it bring us together as a family or does it divide us? Um, so there's a difference between watching a movie all together and then everyone going off to their own corner of the house on your own separate screens. Uh, a big question for me is how do my kids react when I say no or no more? If my kids start to have those tantrums and meltdowns when I say no, then I know we need some major cutbacks for them to readjust. Um, other questions I might ask myself is what's the quality of their screen content? Um, am I using it as a tool or as an escape? Like you said, uh, am I being intentional about it? Questions like that are the questions that I would ask myself when I'm evaluating my screen time use with my kids. How about you? Well, before I get to those, I found that quote I was looking for. Oh, okay, okay. So from, okay. So this is on screen time limits and it says our primary recommendation is that families should negotiate screen time limits with their children based on the needs of the individual child, the ways in which screens are used and the degree to which the use of screens appears to displace or not displace physical and social activities and sleep. So I think that's a that's a fairly clear idea, fairly clear foundation or basis for starting to make those prudent judgments. A um, couple of questions I, I like asking about screen time. Um, what are the needs of my individual child? Because I know that at this point we have two children and one is a lot more like a screen is on and it's just, then the other one, the other one is a lot more like, oh, there's something on, well, whatever, I'm gonna still, you know, so like, what are the <laughs> needs of that child? How yeah. does that child react? How does that, that individual child, you know, handle those sorts of things? Um, are they constantly snacking during screen time? Because again, if they are, is that going to spoil a meal? Is that going to just give them unhealthy food? Like what is what's going on? And obviously, or my is kids it healthy are young snacking? <laughs> is it is it healthy snacking? And that's the other thing. My is, kids will pound down you, strawberries and pepper slices during a movie. So it's oh it's a good gosh. time for a good snack. <laughs> my kids, can you teach my kids to eat anything other than fruit? Because oh. man, anyway. Um, and then also, what is the alternative? Like, could they be playing outside and you're just like, nah, I don't feel like telling them to go outside or uh, have they been outside for three or four hours and they're probably physically exhausted? Um, are they driving you insane? And it, you are like, I am the only parent home. Dinner has to be made. This is my only you know, option. Well, in that case, it's like you're not using the screen as a I want to be a lazy parent and just be like, here, watch something on the screen. But if you're putting something of quality on the screen so that you can feed them, that's OK. You know, that's now obviously it's ideal for us to try and not 
make that a daily thing unless that is just how your little bit of screen time or your reasonable amount of screen time happens in that window. That's a prudential judgment to make. But if I'm like, I physically can't make the meal without that, well, then you better believe Daniel Tiger is going to make a little appearance and teach my children little songs like one of my new favorites, which is when grown-ups are too busy to play with you, look around and find something to do. It's a great song. I love it. Anyway. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and that's what Mr. Rogers was all about, teaching children how to develop healthy emotions, like how to not shove their emotions down, but to understand and manage their emotions. And frankly, uh, what else can you ask for but to teach a kid how to have healthy emotional balance, whatever? Anyway, I think that's that just sometimes happens. Um, and then, you know, is, are they and we're talking about I'm talking about little kids. Um, what's the alternative? Is it? Well, they're watching, you know, the office or they're supposed to be studying. You know, they could be studying or they're they're binging through Parks and Rec. Like what is going on in that situation or are they on the screen because they're studying. Like, so what is the alternative to what they're doing? What is the benefit to what they're doing? So that I think these are things that we just, we have to ask ourselves. And again, every now and then you just have to cut yourself a break. You're sitting there going, uh, well, the weather is horrible and the kids are exhausted and this and that and another thing. And sometimes we all just need a little, you know, anyway. <clears throat> Well, I, but I want to thank everybody for, for watching and listening. Um, if you could do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast, either here on YouTube or here on the, the audio podcast or wherever you're hearing us or watching us or whatever it may be. And also go to the other one. Subscribe to that. That, that helps us. Leave us a little like. That, that helps the algorithm, which is computer words for, you know, they'll show us or whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, Sarah, where can people find you? My website is tojesussincerely.com and I'm on social media at tojesussincerely. Now, seek wisdom for, oh, and you, where, you can find me at uh, chaselove.org and uh, on social media at the Chase Love. Anyway, I'm so excited to say this closer. Anyway, um, so seek wisdom from your children, okay? Because whoever said one man's trash is another man's treasure clearly attended a toddler's birthday party and watched them open the gifts and only play with the wrapping paper. <laughs> and remember, you're never alone.